Welcome to the Today is a Good Day podcast, a podcast to bring you a new point of support as you navigate your NICU journey. Today is a Good Day is here to be a part of your conversations, whether your baby was born prematurely, has special needs, or if your family is grieving a loss. The voices you will hear on the Today is a Good Day podcast are personal stories from people who have been there. Please don't forget to hit subscribe and leave us a review on your favorite podcast listening app. On today's episode, we'll discuss love and loss in the NICU. Not every NICU journey ends with taking a baby home. There are also many times when multiples are born and not all graduate from the NICU. So how do you walk the path of losing one child while trying to support the child fighting every single day? We're glad to have you with us today as we speak with my friend, Portia Pinder, fellow NICU mom and host of Sisters with Portia P on CMP Radio. Portia is going to share her personal journey of welcoming Amara and Jace, saying goodbye to Amara and staying strong for Jace. And every time I see you, my friend, I take I, I go back to that day yes. five years ago <laughs> when you and I met in the lobby outside of the Crozier NICU. And I'm so glad you came into my life that day. And I'm really happy to have you here today with yes. us. Uh, but tell us a little bit about your pregnancy journey and, and your story. Well, thank you for this opportunity to come and speak with you guys. You know, it's always love. Um, yes. And I was also blessed, you know, in 2015 to meet you and your husband and your family. And, you know, it's been love ever since. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you guys are truly genuine and passionate and humble. And, you know, what you're doing is a blessing. And I'm glad that, you know, you're using your gifts that God gave you uh -huh. to bless other people and to bring light to um, the preemie community, infant loss community, because it is a taboo a, a thing if you don't go through it. Um, with me in 2015, um, I was 25, about to be 26, uh, found out um, me and um, Jason's father, we found out, oh, we're pregnant we're, and we're having twins. Like, mm -hmm. Two for one special. Right, right. <laughs> uh, we were the last out of our friends to even like have kids. And they're like, y'all going from one to two. Oh, <laughs> uh, but uh, twins do run in my family. So, but um, ours was the only um, opposite sex. Like mm -hmm. it's normally same sex. So I was like, oh, good. I'm done. Boy, girl, that's it. Um, I found out they were a boy and girl two, we two weeks before I had them. Um, so, um, I was having like pains in my stomach and I didn't know what it was because this is my first pregnancy. Um, I wasn't due until January 16th. So I'm not thinking I'm having contractions. I'm just thinking I'm having stomach pains. So it, it happened like Tuesday night. So I would lift up like turnover and it would go away. So I went back to sleep. It kept happening. It kept happening. And then like Wednesday morning the pain just wouldn't go away and I'm like oh my goodness like my stomach is hurting so bad so um I told their dad I was like listen we gotta go to the hospital because it was to the point I couldn't really put my shoes on like I couldn't bend so I'm just walking like hunched over and I kept having to go to the bathroom so we went to the ER um they put me in a wheelchair and they told him to just wheel me up to labor and delivery. Um, so we went to labor and delivery. They put like the belly band on me and I just, I just kept having to like go to the bathroom and it was like, well, 
they didn't tell me I was having contractions or anything. And they just was like, well, we don't want you to um, have the kids like on the toilet. So you can use like the, the bedpan. And I was like, I'm not having no kids. It's only September. Mm-hmm. Like she's tripping. Um, then like my doctor came in there and it was just like, could just a lot going on. They were saying, oh, you know, we're going to have to prep you for a, a C-section and all this. And I'm just like, what do you what, what do you mean? So it was it was a lot like the process in that little time because it just went from like zero to 100. Mm-hmm. They was like, oh, we're going to give you like um, steroids for their lungs because it's so early. So as soon as he gave me the steroid, like my water broke. I just felt like ksh- and they were like, oh, her water broke. When they first checked me, I was three centimeters. Then when they checked me, I was five. Um, and it was just a lot going on. It was like prepping for a C-section. It was giving me another IV. Like it was so many people in there. And I'm just like, I just want the pain to go away. So my doctor told me if I need to push, I can push. So I like pushed a little bit. And I was like, no way. Like I'm not supposed to be like having kids right now. But the pain, like it was just like, I got to get this pain out. I pushed and Jace came out. And they picked him up and Amara, she was like by my ribs. So because she was so far up, they couldn't turn her. And now I had to get a um, mm. a C-section. Mm-hmm. So I'm on the table and I just told my doctor, like, it was nothing but God because my doctor was on call. Now, I, I didn't see any doctors in in um the group yet because I was still only 23 weeks. So um, I was like, just please, like, make sure they're safe. And he was like, I got you, I got you. And, like, he was like, hold on to me. Like, I was holding on to my doctor, like, while they were giving me my epidural. And the epidural didn't kick in fast enough, so they put me to sleep. Mm-hmm. I woke up. I'm like, I got kids. Like, so they were, they kind of was like, okay, it's going to be like a roller coaster ride for the NICU. And I'm just like, okay, but you think, like, my kids are going to be fine. We'll be home in no time. And it was like complete opposite. When they, they say emotional roller coaster, it was really an emotional roller coaster. And by me being like young, but good thing I like I had good family support because it definitely takes a village um, to go through all the emotions mm-hmm. you go through. And um, I was my concerns were how am I going to. Um, connect with my kids because mm-hmm. I can't touch them. Mm-hmm. They're in incubators, they're in the lights, like they have IVs all in them, like their skin is like transparent. It's mm-hmm. like they're growing on the outside when they're really supposed to be growing on the inside. Um, so that was all, that was an experience in itself too because um, I had to realize that everybody normal is different. Right. So yeah. my normal is having babies that are young and um dealing with you know the monitors and stuff going off like i'll be in there and like my cousins will come and visit they're like how do you see it i was like oh it's just nothing like i'm because i'm used to it and they're like well how can you hold him he's so little i'm used to it did you know about the nicu though i mean i know paul no. and i looking at it we weren't familiar with the nicu no, we didn't have I anyone didn't who knew about the nicu my cousin actually had her daughter a month before mm-hmm. and that's when like, I heard about like oh she was in the NICU but I didn't know anything about it until like I had to experience it and I felt like um, OBGYNs when they tell you about pregnancy they also need to give you a pamphlet about being a, like preemies in the NICU because when you think of pregnancy you think of a healthy baby, 10 fingers, 10 toes. We talk like, about that all the time. You know yeah. you that's what you think of but, right. you, but it's also 
a whole nother aspect as well. So that's why when they told me about the NICU, I'm like, oh, okay, well, whatever. Like, they'll be home soon. And it definitely wasn't mm-hmm. that. And then um, with Amara going through that whole transition of she was always the stronger one. She, she you know, she didn't have any many, many issues. Jace, they told me head on, they wasn't sure if he was going to make it mm-hmm. because his lungs were so bad. Um, I still have his x-ray. They gave me the x-ray and it was like all these little holes like in his lungs. And they're like, these are air pockets. If his lungs collapse, there's nothing we can do. But at Crozier, the, the one doctor she made me feel so comfortable because she was generally concerned. She was like, even when I go home, I worry about him. He's always in my thoughts. So I would just pray. And I was like, Lord, please protect my babies. Like, mm-hmm. protect them. Like, let, let them come home. And then uh, one night they called me in October and they told me, like, Amara, um, she's got an infection and they wasn't able to get, like, vitals on her. They couldn't get, like, a heart rate on her for no, like a blood pressure on her for like hours. And um, they was like, you need to come to the come to the Nick Gale. So I came there. And at this point, Jace had three infections and his body was like responding to the medication. So I'm thinking, you know, she'll be fine. Like mm-hmm. she's always the strong one. You know, everything will work out. Um, and they were just saying like, you know, we're really concerned. And um, I called my mom and they're like, my mom called like my aunts like it was just so many people in there. They like put us in another room and they was just saying like, we're giving her all the medications we can give her. If it doesn't work, then there's nothing more than we can do. So when they told me that, I was just like, it took like the wind out of me. It was just like, what? Mm-hmm. Like, what do you mean? I just, I couldn't, I couldn't like kind of grasp around it. So I just told everybody, I was like, I need a minute. And I went and like that pain, I told I told somebody, I said, I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. Cause it's just something in me. Like I don't even like I cry from like my soul, like the bottom of my pit. Like, and I just cry, I let out a cry. And I got it out. I got myself, I wiped my eyes, I got myself together, and I went back in there. And um I was praying and I was singing gospel to her. And I knew God was there because one of the actual like Nurse, like the um physicians was like, I see you guys are praying. Can I pray with you? Mm-hmm. And like, she actually like prayed with us. My uncle came and he baptized her. And it was just like, it was God like protecting me from everything. And I tell anybody, it doesn't, I don't, I don't care what you believe in, but when you go through this experience, you have to believe in something because you can lose your mind mm-hmm. because it's a lot that you're going through. And you can't really explain it to your family because they don't they they feel some type of way, but they don't really understand like everything that you're going through. What what helped you to get through each day? I mean, was it that faith? Uh, was it that what what was the biggest thing that really helped you to get through each day in the NICU? And also, and we share a similar story, right. my friends. But it's really hard to to when you get to the point of saying goodbye and then having to turn around. And, and find that yeah. strength. And I love how you describe it of that pain coming kind of out of your soul. Yeah. That you had to get it out, pull yourself back together. Yeah. And go back because you had to stay strong. I looked at it as who am I to give up when I still got another child fighting for his life? Mm-hmm. Like you can't give up because you still have a child in there, Portia. Like you can't, you can't give up. You have to fight just like your child is fighting. You lost one. And I told her, I said, okay. Now you take care of your brother. 
So I don't like for some reason I was at peace with the situation because I felt like she's not suffering anymore. Mm-hmm. She doesn't have to be poked or prodded. Um, she's with her her uh, great great grandmothers and stuff. Like I I felt like at peace. Like I was really at peace with it. And then Crozier made it so peaceful too because they was like, whenever you're ready. Let us know. We're not going to rush you. And so everything was so like calming and peaceful. And I and I pray and I ask for like God to give me peace and the strength. Mm-hmm. So I just I just had to look at it as like, OK, my child is fighting to even breathe like you're breathing. So get up and go. And I just was every day. I just went back. I just went back and I just kept going. As you look back on your journey and what Jace has been through and the NICU in particular, as we're talking to other families who are currently navigating this NICU, and I Mm -hmm. have to say, Portia is one of our original (laughs) listening session hosts. She started with us. Crozier was the second hospital we started partnering with, and Portia came in to meet with other families. But what's that piece of advice that you give to other families? How do you help them to face each day and keep taking it one day at a time? I always tell them... um, Sometimes it looks like you can't see like the light of day. And I always tell them, you know, after every storm, it's always a rainbow. Mm -hmm. So you got to keep pushing, like push no matter what. And I tell them, I said, um, I was like after Amara passed, I was like in a like a kind of a bad place because then they told me like bad news about Jason. I was like, God, I can't take no more bad news. Like I just can't. I was ready to give up. And then. That's when they told me, you know, you know, Portia, we got some, we have a couple all here. They went through exact same thing you went through, and I think you should meet them. And I was like, okay. And that, like, it gave me that was like confirmation from God to be like, this is evidence. Like, it's a family that went through the exact same thing mm-hmm. you went through. Their daughter is doing better. They have another child. They was able to do a full term pregnancy. Like, this is evidence. Like, it's going to be okay. And I was just like, you know what? And I and I kind of at first I was like, I didn't I didn't post a lot of pictures mm-hmm. of Jay Cinemar because I didn't want to see a lot of people. Um, I didn't want a lot of people to see them like that. And that's one thing I kind of regretted. To, I wish I would have took more pictures. That's hard, though, especially yeah. with our babies being born yeah, so prematurely. It is. It's very personal to share those yeah, photos and figuring is. out how you want to do that and what avenue to take to share. Right. And also your so many family and friends are reaching out via text or email or yeah. calling. And that can be overwhelming yeah. of going, oh, I can't get back to everybody. Right, right. Right. And trying to figure out what platform you set up where nowadays it's a Facebook group or when we were in the NICU, it was Caring Bridge. And we set up a site where we could share journal entries mm-hmm. with family and friends asking because it got so overwhelming yeah. trying to respond to everybody. Yeah. It, right? it, it was. But um, I am grateful because Crozier they had this volunteer photographer mm. and he came and he took pictures of her mm-hmm. and they were in black and white and like they dressed her up. So I do have that, which I'm thankful for because some people don't even have that. Right. And like a lot of like people I talked to, they was like, you know, I wish like we would have did more stuff like that. But I'm like, you'll always have the memories. Not mm-hmm. I tell them just like um, the one day um, one of my friends from church said not too many people can say they held the angel. Like your hands held an angel and and they was like, you know, that's your personal angel. And I Mm -hmm. looked at it like, you know what? You're right. And I also looked at it like God gives his toughest battles to people that he know can endure. Mm -hmm. So, you know, 
he picked special people to have preemies because mm-hmm. everybody can't can't handle it because it is a lot. It's a lot. And a lot of people don't think, and I tell them, the easy part is kind of like them being at, you know, in the hospital. The journey is when they come home because you have a lot of follow-up appointments, like therapists, yeah, specialists. Mm-hmm. And then it's like developmental-wise too. Right. So they think, okay, they're home, now they're good. No, it still continues. Like for me, it's still continuing because Jace is autistic. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not sure if he's going to talk. So that's another journey that I had to come and be okay with. Because that was that was a hard pill for me to swallow. How did you how did you figure out that you recognized uh, that he needed some extra assistance or that he needed to go be evaluated? And we hear from families who don't know how to even start that process. So how did you start that process with Jace? Well, I well, I am kind of lucky because I did work in the special needs field and my mom's been there for like since I was a baby. So I would notice that he wasn't talking and I'm like, he's too, like, he's still not like kind of saying anything. And he would kind of stem a little bit like with his hands, like he'll like put his hands up and like, like the way he was clapping. And I'm like, I don't know, something just like as a parent, you kind of, something doesn't feel right. So I reached out to, um, cause he does get early intervention. So I reached out to them and I asked them, you know, can he get a developmental test? Mm-hmm. So he had his developmental test in December. And then that's when, um, you know, the results came back and he told me, you know, he has autism. So I was just like, <sighs> like, at first I was very upset. Like mm-hmm. I cried a lot. Cause I'm like, Lord, my child, he, he fought all his life. I just wanted something like easy for him. Cause you know, some people look at kids with autism differently mm-hmm. and I didn't want them to judge him. Sorry. Oh, <laughs> um, so that was hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but I said, all right, Portia, you got this. Mm-hmm. You can do it. You do. So, <laughs> thank you. So I um I uh, reached out to what well, his um his case manager was like. Now he can go to Elwin. So he goes to Elwin, and I saw a drastic change. They are very good there. They love him. He gets spoiled. <laughs> but I saw like he was progressing more. He was doing you know more things, eating better, things like that. And so I was like, okay, I had to kind of, then I went to, I went to therapy cause I was still having a hard time. It was mm-hmm. still hard for me to talk about it. I didn't want to be around my family. My cousins was like, you know, you don't come hang out with us because I had all these emotions and I knew they wouldn't understand it. So I just kind of secluded myself and then I was like, you know, I didn't want them to judge him. So I went to therapy and that was the best thing I could have did because I never really dealt with Mars passing. So I had to um I had to deal with it because I when she passed, I, my focus was on Jace. You go right back, and right? It, you yeah, right and it always been there and I never yep. really dealt with those emotions. So and then I, you know, she helped me to kind of cope with, you know, it's okay to feel everything you're feeling. You know, it's okay to be upset about Jace being autistic, but that doesn't make you a bad mom. 
keep fighting. So I tell everybody, you know, if you need to get therapy, go ahead. That don't mean you're crazy, nothing. Like, that doesn't mean you're weak, you know. You just need some extra help. So that helped me. And then I just been like, um, because I kind of had to navigate autism by myself um, because it was like, okay, he has autism. He's going to Elwin. That was it. So I'm like looking up stuff because um, like I went to his neurologist and I was just like, I just feel like I don't know what to do next. Mm -hmm. It was just like he has autism. He's going to a developmental school and that was it. But it wasn't like, okay, as a parent, this is what you need help with or this is, you know, things that can help you. Now, when you talk about the therapy and the anxiety and the stress, we talk about it so much in the NICU. Mm -hmm. And I know for me personally, it really hit me a couple years after. And I think it's exactly what you're talking yeah. about, Portia, where you you say goodbye. We had, and I don't know about you, we had some regrets from our from when Mary passed away of saying goodbye to her that we didn't do kangaroo care with her. And we had some areas that lived with us for a really, really long time right. that we didn't do with her when we said goodbye because we didn't know any better. Right. But when you say goodbye to one twin who you don't expect, and just like Amara, Mary was stronger than Claire. Right. But then you turn around and you are right back there by the bedside, being strong, taking it one day at a time, doing the best that you can. And that stress and anxiety, it'll catch up to you. Yeah, it will. It will. It will. Yeah, um, because it, it was kind of, well, I am thankful because I was able to hold her. Mm -hmm. um, like, uh, we did skin to skin. Oh. I held her, then Maurice held her on the ventilator, and then I held her until we took her off the ventilator. Mm -hmm. So I was thankful that I was able to do that. Mm -hmm. um, but it was it it was kind of difficult because it, I think, like, that was, like, my crutch. Jace was my crutch. Mm -hmm. So it was like, okay, she passed. Now I got to, you know, focus on Jace. And he was my focus for so long. That's why I stopped, you know, doing my show and everything because he was my focus. So, um, you know, you can only hide for so long and mask it for so long where, you know, you have your days where you feel good. And then, like, it's just something there. And you're like, well, what is going on? Like, I'm happy and then I'm crying like another <laughs> minute or I just don't feel like doing anything. And that's when I was talking to my aunt. She's a therapist. And she was like, maybe you need to go to therapy. And I was like. I don't need to go to therapy. Like, I'm fine. But it was just like a huge, it's like a huge weight on your shoulders. And I was like, I'm just, I just feel weighted down. So I went in my, like my first session, I just felt so free. Like I felt so much better. I had so much more energy because all of the emotions that I was feeling that I was trying to mask, trying to hide because um, I just felt like nobody understood what I was going through. So I kind of maxed my emotions so much that when I went to the, my therapist and I just let it all out, I was like, I just felt like I just lost like 10 pounds and it was 10 pounds of baggage. And when you look back, what were some of the triggers for you? I mean, what um, what stood out for you as you knew that something was going to happen? When I see like people that are pregnant and, you know, their belly's all big and, you know, I didn't really get to experience that. I didn't get to have like a photo shoot. Um, so those were kind of like hard triggers for me that I had to fight through. I was okay, but I still had like a, 
Like, you just get, like, a ting, like, a sting when you see, like, oh, somebody say, oh, I'm pregnant. I'm like, oh, okay. And, like, for me at my job, I'm in the, I do maternity outreach. So I had to kind of, like, deal with talking to people who had uh, twins. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just like, oh, my goodness, why they keep giving me these people? Like, I don't want to talk to them. And uh, it was, it, it was kind of, like, salt on the old wound sometimes but you know i fought through it and you know so every now and then i'll get somebody who um has a preemie the one girl she was like so worried and i told her i shared my whole story mm-hmm. with her and you could see hear the smile on her face because when i first talked to her you could tell she was down and she even like got her mom like mom she had a preemie like i talked to her and she was like thank you so much like i really appreciate it and i was like no problem um and my co-worker she was like i looked over she's crying like oh my goodness i just want to give you a hug like that was so beautiful you talked to her i said I tell everybody, you have to share your story. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't mind sharing my story about Jason Amara because by me talking about her, she's still alive. Like she's still present. Um, so I always tell people, you know, share your testimony because you don't know who you're going to bless. You don't know like who's might be feeling type of way. Cause I had, when I finally had enough courage to like go live and I recorded it, um, I told them everything I went through with Amara because you know, I still have people like, oh, you know, well, where they were kind of trying to work like, well, what happened? So I went live. I shared my story and I had so many people message me like, oh, I, you know, I had miscarriages. I'm trying to get pregnant. Da, da, da. Um, but you, you know, gave me hope. You gave me strength. And I just feel, felt like, you know, that was my calling to share and be transparent because by you being transparent, you're healing yourself, but you also are healing someone else. Well, and it feels so good to talk about yeah. our babies who have passed, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, I think people always have a hard time that they don't know whether they can ask or bring up Amara's name right. or Mary's name or, you know, talk about right. the babies who have passed to bereaved parents. and. What I think people don't realize is how much it means to us right. when someone does bring up your child's name yeah. who passed away, right? That's true. That is so true. And when we can share our stories and and talk about them and talk yeah. about our miracles and how far they've come. I mean, look at Jace. He's such a love. Yes, he's he's something else. Yes. He's, he's something else. Those dimples in the glasses. Uh, he everybody. is. <laughs> they, don't, they don't work for me anymore. <laughs> Not for mom. <laughs> Um, when with family and friends and with the journeys that we've been through what advice would you give to family and friends who are trying to help a family member a daughter a son a niece somebody going through the NICU and they don't know what to do I mean what advice would you give to them I would definitely say just to be patient and just to be there sometimes just sitting in silence and if they're crying, just sit in silence and just let them have their moment because um, it doesn't matter if your child lived for an hour, two minutes, a couple of days, even months, you know, that's still a huge impact on that person because, you know, they felt they formed a bond with their child. So, you know, if they have their days where they want to just break down, just, you know, be there and, Say when you're whenever you're ready to talk, I'm here for you. Just be present, be comforting, and allow them to have their emotions. 
You know, a lot of people think that, oh, well, you know, they should be over it by now. That's something traumatic. That's that's trauma. You know, you can never be over trauma. You know, you have your days where they're good. You might have your days when they're bad, but allow them to have their days. You can't put a timestamp on when somebody's grieving because that's a huge um, impact in their life. So tell us about Jace today. What's he up to? What's his favorite <laughs> thing to do? Um, Jace um, is nonverbal, but he definitely gets his point across. Um, he loves his Amazon kids tablet and I love it too, especially when I'm at work. <laughs> um, he loves music. He really loves gospel music. He loves the drums. He just, he's just a happy baby, which mm-hmm. I'm like thankful for. <laughs> well, he is a miracle for sure. Yes. And, and how do you continue to honor Amara's life? For their birthday, we always do pink balloon releases. Mm-hmm. So, um, at the end of like their party like we'll all come together we'll talk you know we'll release the balloons and um every now and then like i'll look in like her box that i have of like the pictures of her um and then one day like i'll be able to get enough courage enough strength to get because we have her ashes to get like necklaces you know and put mm-hmm. her you know put her in there um but you know, I do like I'll reminisce. Like I have picture, like I have um a blown up picture of her from my baby shower because I got people to sign around it so they can see what she looked like. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's hanging in Jace's room. There are pictures together, um, pictures of Maurice holding her, like of me holding her, and I'll tell Jace like that's your sister. You know, you see her. Yeah, that's all I honor her. That's great. Well, Portia, I am. So grateful, as I said at the beginning of our conversation, that you came into my life that day. And Paul and I feel very blessed to know you and your mom, for sure. But I really appreciate you coming and sharing your story today. You are an inspiration for many, as is Jace. Such a little love. (laughs) Can't wait to see him again. Yes. Um, (laughs) But grateful for your friendship. And thanks for sharing your story. Thank you for having me. 